Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. It is quite the moment in history that we live in right now. It is quite the moment in history. And uh, how many know that God is very much alive, very much involved, attentive? He is not hiding. He is not close to your prayers, your intercession. He is not distant from what is happening on the global side of things, as well as your personal lives. The Lord is not distant. Every single time, every single time you turn your heart to him in authenticity. I need to to emphasize that point. In authenticity, every single time you turn your heart to him, he is there. He's there. He is hearing. He is interacting. You have a good father, not one who is distant from your journey, one who is very much involved. But the key is authenticity. Spirit and truth are the ones the father is pursuing. Those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. The word spirit means to give authentic breath. Truth, authenticity, not knowledge truth, not you got the facts right. I think sometimes we approach God as if if we quote the Bible to him and get the facts right, then somehow that's what provokes an answer. That is not how your father is. I have, I have eight children. Uh, each one of them are able in their capacity to have an agenda for me. Our agendas don't always match up, my child and you know, my agenda, like perhaps we have chores to do on Saturday and their agenda is something different. Friends are off. They want to go play in the neighborhood. You get it, right? It's a different agenda. Can I tell you the way that they shape their story, the way that they bend the reality to make it so their will gets accomplished. It's unique and powerful. Let me just say that. Okay. Is your room clean? Yeah. Sure is, Dad. Have you stuffed everything that was on the floor under the bathroom cabinet? Like, if I don't ask the specific question, I might not get the truth. Because the truth could get bent to mean what they mean it to mean so that they can get their way. Are you alive today? Listen, I feel like that is adulting right there. I feel like that is the way of the world. It is bend the reality of your resume to make sure you get paid more. I feel like it is the achievement of goals that are in line with what you are wanting. I might be telling the truth too strongly this morning. I'm sorry. You're like, yeah, come on. Well, it's because I haven't poked you in the eye yet. We haven't even prayed yet. We're already into it. Jim, whatever you did up here has just messed me up here. We're... (laughs) 
We're just straight into it. This process of telling the truth is such a powerful process. It, it is what the Lord wants from you. I'll tell you where I'm going with the sermon today. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the punchline before we even start, okay? It is this. If you tell the truth, then you will become free. If you do not tell the truth, then freedom's process is completely hindered. You are standing in the way of your God journey. That simple. It's not the devil. It's your truth-telling. Are you being honest with yourself? Are you being honest with people? Are you being honest with God? Or, like in the Garden of Eden, at the very beginning, are we still hiding? It's humanity's condition. When we do something that we know intuitively is off course, we hide. We bend the truth. We tell ourselves a different reality. We don't want to actually say what's real. Because if we do that, we expose ourselves. We are afraid of the outcome. That right there, that's the whole sermon. You got it. It took me two minutes. I don't know why this always takes me so long. Somehow I will take two minutes and make it an hour. I don't know. I, well, I do know because telling the truth is literally, this is like, I want to help people. I want to take you on a journey so that you come to this reality. But, but here's the deal, y'all. It doesn't, I can, I can paint this picture and I can help you come into alignment with this. But at the end of the day, you have to want to change. You, you, you got to want to be transformed. I, I believe that that is a gift of the Holy Spirit, that he begins that work inside of you, and that, that this did not come from yourself. It's like one of, it's one of the evidence that you are saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, that you want authentically to change. You, you want that. And that core driving thing that is Holy Spirit driven, how you partner with that is simply beginning to agree with what God says and change your mind about your story. Your story and what you're telling yourself and telling others is what keeps you imprisoned. Amen, Pastor Jamie. That's that's a good point there. Man, look at that bald spot. Goodness. It like shines in the light there. We need to get some polish. That was a little levity right there to lighten the mood, so we can pray and get back into it. You ready? Okay. Just join me in prayer this morning. Jesus. You died for us, you paid the price for us, you purchased us, your blood is telling the truth about us. Holy Spirit of God, I am asking this morning for grace to agree with your blood. Grace to agree. Give us power, Lord, to agree with you and to let go of our story, to let go of a lie, to let go of half-truths. Help us, Lord. Empower us, Lord. 
I thank you for that. I pray for a deliverance to take place this morning in your body that would set us on a course for absolute transformation in this year. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Would you just put a hand on your own heart right now and just give him permission this morning. Lord, I want you to tell me the truth. And I am choosing to open my ears to hear. I'm done hiding, Lord. I want to believe what you say about me. We pray these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. It wasn't hard. We're going to take a look at John chapter 9 today. We're going to read a story. It's, it's one you'll be familiar with, at least the principle of it, because the testimony is amazing. There was a man who was born blind. In other words, it wasn't, it wasn't something that degraded over time and then Jesus just heals. This man was not born with the ability to see. I, I don't know if that means there's no, there's no physical eyeballs. I don't know if that means the nerves were never formed. I don't know why someone is born blind versus loses their sight over time. But in the story, we discover that no one ever in history had heard about someone born blind being healed. And so this is breakthrough, absolute, oh my goodness, transformational, like stop the presses. We need to publish this story because it's so powerful and amazing. And the bystanders don't know what to think. They begin to interpret the story through their version of truth. And that is what I want us to take a look at today. Just walking through that story. Within that story, you're going to see glimpses of yourself because there are lots of different characters. At some point, you're going to go, hmm, I think that one was me. And within it, there's the opportunity just to, to begin to think differently. That is the very definition of repentance. It is to change what you think about something. I believe today in the midst of this story that there is great grace for you. That God wants to touch your life and do something so powerful that he's already doing it in your life. And if we we'll just agree with him, if we'll be so bold as to tell ourselves the truth that we'll realize that God is in the background, has been working on our story the whole time, and that perhaps this morning is a day that everything changes for you. Are you alive today? All right, would you elbow your neighbor, smack him on the back, look him in the eyeball and say, I think you are here on purpose today. God's got something for you. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. There are so many one-line verses throughout the scriptures that define the principle we're talking about today, but uh, I think it's more fun just to do it in story form. So here we go. This is John 9. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, we'll put it up on the board so you can follow along. I'm going to read the chapter, um, just the story, so you can uh, follow along with me. Do your best back there on the slides to keep up. If you have a Bible or an app, please turn in it to John chapter 9. 
As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Logical question. They're looking for how do we interpret this situation? How do we tell the story? Jesus said, it was neither that man who sinned nor his parents. But it was so that the work of God could be displayed in him. We must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud from the saliva, and he applied the mud to the man's eyes. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he left and he washed and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is this not the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, this is he. Still others, no, he just looks like him. The man himself kept saying, I'm the one. And so they were saying to him, well, how then are your eyes opened? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away, washed, and received sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? And he said, I don't know, I was blind before this moment. They, <laughs> Listen, depending on the tone you read the scriptures, there is a ton of sarcastic humor and like play on words. It's a one, it is wonderfully like authored here. God is brilliant. They brought the man who was previously blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath on the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him, well, then how did you receive your sight? And he said to them, Jesus, he applied mud to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some, right, duh. Therefore, some of the Pharisees, notice how the story doesn't change. The whole time, the story doesn't change. It's the people around that are trying to interpret the story. What's the truth? The guy who had it happen to him has not expressed his opinion. He's just telling the facts. But everyone around him is like, they're taking their bias and they're applying their bias to the story. Notice how everyone who is trying to interpret the story through their bias is wrong. Hmm. Dramatic pause. Some of the Pharisees were then saying, well, this man isn't from God. He doesn't even keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, 
how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was dissension among them, arguing. So they said again to the man who was blind, well, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it. <laughs> they didn't believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. Verse 19, they questioned them saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? Well, then how now does he see? His parents then answered and said, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but now, but how he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He'll speak for himself. <laughs> now listen to this. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already reached the decision that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be excommunicated from the synagogue. It was for this reason, everyone say this reason, okay? So for fear that his parents would not tell the story in truth. Verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and said to him, come on, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He then answered, well, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. <laughs> like, who am I to judge someone else's life? I don't know their story. I, I love this guy. This guy is brilliant. He just refuses to adopt other people's bias. He's trying to come to a conclusion, a truthful conclusion. And I don't know if it was, I mean, literally, we might say concerning this man that it was a gift from God that he was not born with sight because his blindness left him in a place where he would be able to see the Christ. I don't tell this story often, but I mean, you, you'll know some of the repercussions that have happened in my own life. You know, I broke my back and I've had multiple back fusions. If you didn't know this, if you ever see me with my shirt off, like we're at the beach or something, uh, you'll, you'll see there's grotesque scars that, that go from here down to here. And my back is like cut in three major, it looks like a, like a, like a wild bear or something got my back. Okay. It just got tore up. I've had three major surgeries to sort of allow me to be upright. I have lived in pain since I was 15 years old. This is what's happened. Joined the military. I was in decent shape at that point and, and was able to do everything they needed me to do. And so they let me in. And somewhere in that time period, on all my deployments, the things I've done, I, I you know, working in special operations and in these very active experiences, I re-injured my back. And it really caused a debilitation in my life. I have been slowed down significantly. What precipitated my, you got to hear the story, okay, hear me. What precipitated my surgeries was that I was training for a marathon. I got out of the service, really wasn't in, I was doing okay. 
But I got out of the service and I was training for a marathon. I'm running four hours a day. You're all impressed. Like, you know, marathons are really long. <laughs> and it doesn't mean I was running fast. I was just running for that long of a time. But I'm training and I'm, and I'm gaining strength. And I'm, but in the midst of my training, suddenly my right leg stopped working. My foot dropped. And it like wouldn't respond. I still have, if you ever like get to see my feet hanging there, my right foot just hangs down because I don't have any nerve that can control it. Like, and before you go, oh, poor Pastor Jamie, or woe is you, or whatever, after that took place, I had to have major surgeries to save my leg from losing all its function. I went through a very, very difficult time in my life. It was right after we started the church. This is what happened. We had just started 24-hour-a-day prayer in the house of prayer. We were leaning into it, and it was required a tremendous amount of energy from me. I was having to put myself out there, and right in the middle of us doing that, what felt like a call from God to execute, to do this thing, right in the middle of it, I was taken out. And for all essential purposes, I was taken out for two years. By the grace of God, our team carried the work on of the house church. And, and it's by the grace of God, we're here still. Okay? In the midst of this journey. And now the rest of the story. Do you, anybody in here know what that was right there? And now the rest of the story. Raise your hand if you know. Okay. And you are 50 years or older. I'm not beating on you. I think it's wonderful. Or you were in the military because they kept doing the rest of the story things in the service. Anyway, I digress. Quit distracting me. Come on, I got to get to a point here. So, so my, I'm in that state. I'm like, God, what in the world? And then one day, I started having these like difficulties breathing and I was having a tremendous amount of pain in, in, my, in my organs and it was just, it was like, something's off, something's wrong. And so they went in, they tested my heart. And it turned out that I had been born with a unique heart defect. And the doctor said to me, you, do you do athletics? I was like, I was like, well, yeah. Like, I literally am in the middle of training for a marathon right now. And he said, he said, wow. He said, this situation, the way that your heart is framed, if you ever hear about people just dropping dead on the trail, that's you. He said, he told me, my heart specialist told me, he said, if you would have continued, there's a good chance you would have just dropped dead one day. I'm born with a birth defect that ends up in a broken back and a tremendous amount of pain, but it ends up being the very thing that saves my life. Come on, y'all. Do you know how intricately involved God is in your life? Do you know the grace of God for you, towards you? He's in your story. He's all over it. It's all over your story. You should let him interpret it for you. You should not try to interpret your story through your own circumstances or other people's bias. We are in a church that absolutely believes that God heals today. We are in a church that believes in the goodness of God, that the Lord is intricately involved in your life, and that he has good plans for your life. And so I don't know how many times I've been prayed for that my back would be healed, but the very thing that ended up being a grace to me, a gift, was the thing that people were binding the devil over. 
I wonder how much of the story we don't actually understand. Hmm. Second time they summoned the man, they said, hey, give God glory. We know this man's a sinner. He answered, well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know. Though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. You were too busy with your bias. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? And they spoke abusively to him and said, you're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he's from. And then the man answered and said, well, here is an amazing thing. That you don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. That we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if someone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. And since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not do this thing. They answered him, you were born entirely in your sins, and yet you're here teaching us. And so they put him out of the synagogue. For what? For telling the truth. For telling the truth. The religious system and the biases held within a religious system are unable to hear truth. Because anything that carries a bias will be unable to adapt to reality. Jesus heard that the man had been put out of the synagogue. And upon finding him, he said, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered saying, who is he, sir, that I might believe? And Jesus said, you've both seen him, and he is the one talking with you. And the man said, I believe, Lord. And he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus proclaimed, for judgment I came into the world so that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Those who are with him from the Pharisees heard these things and said to him, we're not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you maintain that we see, your sins remain. It's your story keeping you from freedom. It is your belief that you're right which has imprisoned you. Dang. That's a good word right there. Dang. Woo! I got heavy up in here, PJ. What in the world are you doing this morning? I want to welcome the fear of the Lord into this congregation. We are seeing craziness in the world right now, okay? We are seeing 
the type of stuff that will unnerve people, that, that you just, man, how do you find solid ground in the midst of a world that's shaking? It's like Jesus is condemned to die, right? And, and he comes before Pilate, right? And the question is concerning truth. And Pilate says to him, Psh, what is truth? Jesus, the Son of God, is presenting him to the Roman Empire, but the Roman Empire could not receive what is true. Even though they had a, the, the, the wife had a dream the night before, man, God is with this dude. You need to stay away from this judgment, Pilate. See, empire cannot recognize a God who is present in truth. Empire has to maintain its sense of order and its own rules and all of that. See, but the kingdom of heaven is not based on worldly principles. The kingdom of heaven is not based on the American way. I want to challenge our thoughts today. I want to embrace something powerful and true. I want us to engage with the fear of the Lord because I Listen, I don't know where the world is going. I don't know where the future is heading. I don't know what's going on in your personal lives, in our corporate life. I, I can't determine anything. All I know is that we are to look face to face with the living God and that when we hear his voice and we follow him, we are like sheep following a good shepherd. That, that though I walk into the valley of death, I don't have to fear evil because it is his rod and it's his staff that are watching over me. The last time I spoke in this pulpit was about David's tabernacle and this is what David did. He would go into the presence of God and there he would find truth and that truth would set him free from fear. All you have to do is become real. Just be real. Just be authentic about yourself. The people in the world of recovery from, uh, from addiction know this. This is a principle that's carried out. It's so strongly. Like, you have to become honest with yourself before you will gain authority over your problem. Like if you never tell the truth, then you're just all, you're just, there's no ground to stand on. Amen, Pastor Jamie. I know this is a hard word. Man, I didn't even really get into any of my notes. I just wanted to point something out, though, here before we attempt to crash land this plane. <laughs> this is verses 8 through 12. John 9, 8 through 12. The neighbors and those who previously saw the beggar were saying, Hey, isn't that the one who used to sit and beg? First-hand account. Others were saying, yeah, that's him. And then others, nah, it just looks like him. And they kept saying, he kept saying, I'm the one. So they said to him, well, how are your eyes open? And he answered, the one who's called Jesus. Made clay, anointed my eyes, said, go wash. So I went away and washed and I came back seeing. And they said to him, well, where is he? Again, we already made that joke. I don't know. I was blind. Okay? 
when I hear someone's testimony or when I hear people talk about what God has said or what's done in their life, in order to maintain my own sense of control, power, I will interpret their story and experience in a way that leaves me not having to change. We assign blame when someone tells us something hurts them. Oh yeah, well you did this. Hey, you know when you said that it injured my heart. I didn't didn't feel good there. They confront, right? Matthew 18. We we talk to people in love. We talk we have to. We have to be truthful with each other if we're going to maintain a community that really sets people free. Hey, what you did there hurt my feelings. If my insides immediately go to the reasons why they're wrong and why it wasn't really my fault, my personal bias is interpreting their pain in a way that I don't have to change. I mean, have you ever done that? Okay. Have you ever done that? Just let's just be like, yeah, yeah. Let's practice. Have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah, you have. (laughs) But this group of people, when they couldn't come to a conclusion that was logical, when they couldn't come and reason within themselves, they realized their own personal biases weren't going to lead them to truth. Look at what they did. And this is what I want us to talk about this morning. This is what I want us to see. Is that when the story didn't line up and we couldn't come to a consensus about what's right and wrong or what truth is, we take the story to our higher power or authority. And we present it to whatever it is that is really our God to maintain or receive an answer. In this case, let me say that again, okay? If you can't come to a conclusion, you're confused about something, you take your story and you present it to someone whom you deem is in authority, and you're looking for truth to come back. It's what we do. I was wronged. My neighbor has built a fence on my property. Where are you going with that? You're going to take it to an authority, and the authority's going to make a decision. Whomever you are submitting your property lines to is the one who is Lord over that piece of land. And so you're looking for truth so that your neighbor moves his fence back. Come on, y'all. Please don't make me work harder than I need to this morning. You got this. We present our belief and our interpretation. We present the stuff to the authority that we submit to. And so if something doesn't line up, you take it to that authority. In this case, these people went to the Pharisees. They went to their higher power in the religious circle. They went, you guys are in charge. This is what we think happened. We're not sure what to think about it. Please tell us what the truth is. When you're sick, You take it to a doctor. What are you asking for? Truth. We're looking for truth. 
So what happens when the Lord says something to you that you are unsure about in obedience? Like, for instance, he tells this man, he goes, hey, I want you to walk across town to the pool of Siloam and wash. If this man was asking for the outcome first before he was willing to make a decision, he wouldn't have received the miracle that day. Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man had no ability to interpret his story before he obeyed. He obeyed what God said. He went to the pool. We don't know. Man, this might have been very inconvenient for a blind dude to walk across town. He goes across town. He washes. And somewhere on the journey home, it doesn't say instantaneously he saw. It says on his way home. Somewhere on the journey, he gained clarity for what just happened. He didn't try to interpret it beforehand before he would make action steps. He obeyed what God told him first. And then truth was revealed after. We are in a moment in time where I really honestly believe you're going to have to learn how to hear God's voice and walk according to the Spirit. I can't, I don't know. I have lots of stories about this from like combat situations where soldiers listened to the voice of the Lord, adjusted their behavior, and lived because of it. I have a friend. Oh, man, this is a fantastic story. I have a, I have a friend. My cousin's best friend, okay, was driving towards the Mississippi River, and his spirit man on the inside, he felt the, the, a voice scream and go, get off the road now. And so he took the exit right before the bridge, collapsed. What? Go wash, and on the backside, interpretation and truth is available to you. And please, don't be afraid of the confusion and the bias in the story. You should wait to hear what God says about your story. Instead of jumping to conclusions, you should let the Lord speak truth to you, and you should believe him. So when a situation does not line up with what we want to have happen, we take the decision to the throne or the place that we submit to. So God says, I want you to go overseas. I want you to do this mission trip. And what do you do first? Okay? Now, I'm not condemning us. The Lord tells you, he goes, hey, I want you to give your car to that family. Where am I going? Okay, where, where am I going? I'm going, I, do I go to other human beings to, to see what they think about it, to make sure it's, what do I do here? Am I, am I looking for group consensus? Well, what if there is no group consensus? Then where do you go? Okay? I'm not afraid of telling the story to other people and letting other people have input. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, you have to decide yourself. You need to decide who is Jesus in your life for real. For real. 
Does he, get to, does he get to interpret our modern economy? Or does your bank account get to interpret our modern economy? Does he get to interpret what's going on in Israel? Or does your political bias get to interpret what's going on in Israel? What, what, what's, what are we going to to obtain truth? Tiptoeing. We just got to get honest with ourselves. Tell the truth. Say where you're really at. I love this dude. Jesus comes to him. He's like, hey, do you, do you believe in the Son of Man? And what's the guy say? <laughs> I don't know. I, who is he? Lord, I'm totally open to hearing the truth. I'm totally open to it. I am refusing to have bias interpret my story. So, Lord, what do you say about this? Because when I took to the Lord and I, my, my, I was seeking sort of the pathway of athletics for my life, you know, when I'm 18 years old, and, and, and I'm realizing that's not in my future. If I, if I interpret my own situation, I can blame other people, I can blame the devil, I can blame, I don't know. But I don't get clarity, I'm confused. But if I take it to the Lord and I go, hey, Lord, what do you say about this? He goes, hey, I have a plan for your life. And if you'll just keep trusting me and walking with me like this, you're gonna need to trust me. This thing is gonna turn for good and I'm gonna be glorified in it. It may not be the outcome you want. It may not be the outcome you want. But, but the, where you go and you take your information to to get a decision that's outside of you, that's who your God is in that situation. Is your God your bank account? Do I need to find out if we can financially feasibly do this before we make a choice to obey? Your God is your money. Not in everything, but for sure in that situation. What does my political party interpret this as? Do we got, we got, what does empire say about this? We live in a time where we are called to serve a king in his kingdom. And the kingdoms of this world don't align with his kingdom. Our job is to walk according to his ways and us together in union and unity, walking in ways of God, have the ability to see God touch society, bring transformation. There's only one solution for the Middle East crisis. It's Jesus. There's only one solution. It's only one solution to peace. It's the blood of Jesus. There's only one solution to your life being transformed. It is to believe the blood. It's to believe the blood. I'll tell you one last story, and we'll land the plane. I was in Argentina at an event. I had been invited down there for... um, uh, an event where nations around the world were gathering to talk about the topic of transformation. And there was a lot of great information presented and testimonies about cities being transformed. Tress, if you could jump up, that would be awesome. Thank you. 
cities being transformed and the works that Christians could do to unite their cities and to see God transform. And, and it was awesome information. It was powerful, man. I mean, like I came out of those sessions with a game plan, right? This is what we're going to do. And if we just do these things, this will be the result. And, and it, it was presented from a bias, And in the midst of that whole thing, they had this sort of breakout session and they called it a spiritual spa. And and what they had is they had one of the Argentine revivalists, a famous dude who was known for doing citywide crusades in Argentina in the revival. There was a massive nationwide revival in that place. You know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people came to the Lord, like a powerful, powerful. And one of the leaders of that was doing the spiritual spa. And it was just this little room, like a classroom. And they had someone just playing on the keyboard and, you know, and then he was praying for people and the rest of us were just kind of lining up and waiting for our turn. And he was ministering. They call it a spiritual spa because you just wait on God and then God, you know, whacks you or whatever. And there were people lining up and he was praying for him. The power of God was touching people. And wow, it was really a dynamic room. And I was like, God, what do you want me to receive from this? Right? Like, I'm open, Lord. I just need you. In the midst of all of this information and everyone's game plan, this is how we do it. And this is how we're going to transform society. This is how government's going to change. This is how we're going to see our cities, you know, come to know Jesus and our nations. Ah, and there's all this wonderful vision. And in the midst of it, I'm going, God, what is truth? What's the truth? And the Holy Spirit met me in that moment. He said, son, just go receive prayer. And so I walked up and I just held my hands out and this man, he just like looked me up and down and he's, he didn't speak English and, and uh, you know, he just, it was like this kind of attention moment, you know, I'm just waiting. And then he put his hand on my chest and he said, these three words in English. He said, believe the blood. And when he said it, I felt, I'm, this is my experience, you can interpret it any way you want. I felt like someone ripped something from my heart ripped it from my heart. It actually, I felt a true like, ouch. Something that, that like a lens that I had been interpreting life through. He just, he put his hand there. He said, believe the blood. He didn't shove me. He did whatever. But it was like something ripped off of my chest, off of my heart. And I went, boom, I fell down and I started laughing. I was like, what in the world was that? Oh my goodness, Lord. You know, and I got up and I wasn't woozy. I wasn't, I just like felt like someone kicked me in the chest. I sat down. I said, Lord, what is that? He said, the solution. The solution. Just believe that what I did is enough. If you have a bad week, and then you feel like, oh, I need to fast, and I need to do more good this next week. I got to do more better. You're telling yourself a lie. You're telling yourself a lie. In fear, you feel like you need to do something. No, 
There's nothing you can add to this. Transformation is by simply believing that Jesus really did it all for you. But you have to receive. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Let the Lord talk to you about your life. I don't know why you're experiencing what you're experiencing, what you're going through. I don't know why, but I can tell you this, that you have a Father in heaven that loves you so much. So, I mean, unconditional love, and he knows who you are, and he knows how to get you from point A to point B, and it's not gonna be through all this activity. It's literally gonna be surrender and just obey what he tells you to do. Lord, I don't know who the Son of Man is. Would you point him out to me so that I can believe? I'm talking to you right now, son. Awesome. And he worships. The Pharisees standing by go, hey, are we blind too? And Jesus says to them, well, as long as you maintain that your story is the truth, then you're still blind. But if you can admit The word sin means off course. If you can admit, God, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know where to get. I don't know how to get to the next thing. I don't know what to do. I need you. That statement, I need you. If you could admit that, oh, he'll spit, make some mud and open your eyes. Just stand to your feet today. Thank you, Jesus. Are we good? place today we just want to get real and get honest we want to be authentic and so Lord Jesus Holy Spirit of God would you open our eyes to truth the first thing I want you to consider today is this listen every person at some point in their life is going to have to decide who Jesus is what I'm asking from you today is that you get honest are you still in process Are you still in process? Maybe you just don't know. I don't know what to think. Maybe you might say, I'm not ready to decide. Listen, I don't want to surrender yet. (laughs) You don't think God knows that already? Just get real with it. I'm afraid of what believing in Jesus will actually cost me. I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Okay. How about you get real? Just get real. Tell him that, Lord. If you will get real, he'll meet you in your place. Maybe someone today, you're mad at God because something happened in your life and you don't know how to understand what happened and you're ticked off that it took place and you blame God for it. Okay, tell him that. He's big enough. Or maybe some of you are ready. You're like, Lord, I need you. I know I need you. 
Lord Jesus, would you please come into my life? I surrender today. I want to know truth. I want to know you. If that's you today, I just want you to pray along with me right now. Listen, your words, you turn it into your words, but it literally is like this. Lord, tell me the truth. I surrender my life to you. I need you. I'm choosing without knowing what it means for my future. Jesus, I am choosing today to believe your blood that you paid the price for me, that your blood paid for my sins. And so I'm receiving your blood today. I'm receiving your sacrifice, your covenant. And I surrender to you. Man, if that's an honest prayer, today is a beautiful day for you. The Lord wants to encounter you in a fresh way. Get real with it. Really get real. Doesn't matter if you've been in church your whole life. (laughs) Church doesn't count, y'all. The second thing I want you to consider today is this, that the Lord said that truth is what makes you free. Truth. And sometimes we are afraid to ask God about something because we already believe we know what he'll say. Oh, friend, that's a lie. And it's keeping you from experiencing his love. Just let that go. You don't know what he's going to say to you. You really don't. Your father loves you so much. Don't be afraid. Don't assume you already know. He is wanting to reveal himself to you. If I asked you this question, friend, if we're having coffee, and I said to you, I said this, I said, what are you not telling the truth about? What comes to your mind? If God was giving me words of knowledge right now about your life, what do you not want me to know about you? That right there is what's keeping you in prison. Just talk to Jesus about it. Your father loves you so much. He loves you so much. There is nothing about your life that he doesn't already know. And as soon as you're willing to tell the truth to him, as soon as you're willing to be authentic, that right there is the place of encounter and God will change your life. Father in heaven, this morning, I am asking that your Holy Spirit would come upon each one. And Lord, by the power of your liberty and by the power of your spirit, we proclaim by the blood of Jesus that every word curse that's bound people, that every lie that's bound people, that every form of demonic delusion, that that would break off of hearts this morning, that we might see clearly who Jesus is. God, I thank you for that. Thank you for that. Come on, would you pray the most dangerous prayer I know? Lord, I want to know you more. More of you, God. More of you. Father, I bless your people today. I bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May his countenance, his favor be upon you. Grant you grace that you might walk in peace all of the days of your life, that you would be kept in perfect peace no matter the circumstance. Father, I bless your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. And anybody that dared to agree with that said... Amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. 
It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at iTheHouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.